Welcome. Glad you're here. Where's Katie at? She's getting ready to go to the Navy. Katie in the Navy. Hey, everybody say thank you to Katie. She's going in the Navy. There you are. Thank you, Katie. Sending you off. We're praying for you, girl. We, uh, we like to send them off and pray for them when they're going off to take care of us. Uh, I want to give you a couple things right up front, okay? Uh, first off, we're going to try to create margin in your life, um, and that's what we're going to really work on over the next few weeks, and uh, I want to encourage you to get your cell phones out right now and text MARGIN to 62953. Just text MARGIN to 62953, and let, let's, let's figure out how we're going to text you some stuff to help you get some margin in your life. Just put that in there. It should be in your bulletin as well. 62953, and we'll help you out along the way, all right? And um, the the other thing is, you are in the 11 o'clock service, right? All right? Uh, And it's crowded in the 11 o'clock service. So I made a uh, special video for you people in the 11 o'clock service this week. I'd like to just show that to you right now. Hey, I love January because, you know, we had 20,000 people come for Christmas Eve and a bunch of those people are coming back, had record crowds last weekend. It's just a fun, it's just a fun vibe to think about all these people that are finding out about Jesus and coming to Parkview. But there's a part of my January job, I have to do it every year and it's really a drag, I got to tell you. It's like every January I got to grab this thing and I got to i got to do it. i got to plunge. I don't know why, but I always have to plunge. This is what i got to do. i got to plunge the 11 o'clock service every time, every January. i got to come in here, and i got to get it down. i got to figure out how to get more people through the 11 o'clock service because that's where it always gets clogged. Don't come to the 11 o'clock service. Get your junk out of the 11 o'clock service. Come on Saturday night. Come on Sunday night. Just please don't come to the 11 o'clock service. I'm so tired of this. There you go. So uh, last week at the 11 o'clock, and hey to the people in the chapel, last week we had 240 people in the chapel. We ran out of parking spots at the 11 o'clock service. People drove in and they left because they couldn't find a place. So it's really important that we get this cleared out, okay? And even right now, there's some room over here on this side. Even, even this week with the snow and everything else, really important. This is where everything clogs up, okay? Uh, here's a picture of the chapel. I think we got a picture of the chapel up there somewhere, maybe. Yeah, there you go. So that was last week at 11 o'clock, which is cool. That's why we built the chapel. And, and if you're interested in a different feel, um, it's up there. It's going to be quieter. They're watching all on video. And again, we're glad that you guys are here in the chapel. We welcome you. Okay. Uh, one other thing before I jump into this. All right. Super Bowl is in two weeks. We've never had the Super Bowl happen when we had a Sunday night service happen. So we had to make some decisions along the way. You know, are we going to try to have the Sunday night service or are we going to do something different? And, and And we started thinking about it, and I really believe, this is the truth, I really believe if Jesus was here today, he would go to a Super Bowl party. I'm not making that up. I think he he doesn't care about who's playing. You don't care about who's playing. But but there's an opportunity here. He would make some bean dip with bacon in it or something, and he would go to a Super Bowl party. So what I I really don't want Parkview to ever become is this. Well, I talked about I talk about all the time. We don't want to run a chapel. We don't want to live within the sound of the chapel bell. We want to run a mission yard from the gates of hell. The only way that happens is if we're out with our friends, out with our people. So please go have a Super Bowl party. 
so what are we going to do here? We can't get everybody in four services in, uh, in February. It's in two weeks, okay? So we're going to do 9, 11, and 1 that day, all right? 9, 11, and 1 so that you can come to one of those times. It'll be everything normal except we're moving the 545 to 1 o'clock so that you can uh, still get to a Super Bowl party and hang out and have some fun, all right? That's in two weeks, not next week. That, those are some things I really wanted to help you out with, especially this 11 o'clock service, okay? Um, so let's talk about this whole deal with, um, you know, with creating margin. I will admit I was not listening to Christian radio this week. I was listening to an oldies station, and uh, this good old song came on that was from a good old group that us old people used to know and love from the south side of Chicago. sounded something like this. Yeah, baby. Remember this? Okay, all right. I need a little more audio out of you, Barry. Let's do, let me just go right to the chorus, and if you know it, sing along with me, all right? If it any wonder How many of you, uh, this song came on the radio, and I'm like, what year was that? <laughs> and I looked it up, it was 1981, and, and I will admit, in 1981, I might have at a few points had too much time on my hands. But does anybody relate to that song today, right? Does anybody say, oh, I got too much time on my hands? All right, did you retire? I mean, you know, how does that, how does that even work? I've got too much to do on my hands, and it's ticking away, ticking away from me, okay? Now, now here's the problem, okay? The younger people on our worship committee, they say, you know what? You're old, dude, and, and your illustrations are old. You keep doing stuff like playing sticks songs, so you need something younger for the younger crowd to relate to. So they told me about this scene that, that, that they said was really, really awesome, totally awesome, from a show that I'd never seen before called Saved by the Bell. Here you go. I don't know how I've lived this long <laughs> without the sheer drama of Saved by the Bell in my life. Do you? I mean, forget your Downton Abbey people. Go home and Hulu Saved by the Bell. That's drama right there. What they call this issue, whether you're, you know, Sticks person or a Saved by the Bell person or, you know, you're young enough, you don't know either one of those. Well, what, what we're talking about is what sociologists call hurry sickness. Hurry sickness, all right? In just a minute, I'm going to ask everybody who suffers from hurry sickness to just go ahead and raise your hand, okay? I said in just a minute, sir. Okay. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about right here. It's like... Oh, yeah, I got it. I'm in a hurry. Okay, hang on. All right, let me go through some categories here, and, and, and we'll see. All right, here's question number one. Have you ever put on makeup or tied a necktie while driving on your way to work? Raise your hand. If you've done both, I really don't want to know, but okay. Does a yellow light mean slow down, or does it mean go faster? Raise your hand. Go faster, okay? Have you ever wished you had a faster microwave oven? Oh, come on, hurry up. Do your children think their first name is come on, hurry, or let's move it? Raise your hand. Have you ever changed clothes while driving from the office to the golf course? Because I have. 
pants to shorts, the whole thing. That's what red lights are for, okay? I have this problem. Number six, when you come to an intersection and there are two lanes of traffic and there's a car in either lane and you get to decide which one you're going to be in, do you take a moment to decide the make, model, and age of the driver so that you can decide which lane to get in? Yes, okay. All right. I, we, we're laughing about it now because we know we do it and we don't even know, right? How about the supermarket? There's two lines you could get in, line A, line B. Do you look mentally at how many people are in line and how many things are in their cart to decide which line to get into? Okay, wait, let's go to the next level. Do you mark the person that got in the other line that would have been you so that you know whether you won the game or not. Okay, there you are. That's psycho, isn't it? Can you believe that? And we do that. I mean, because we're in a hurry, because we've got to get through. We don't have too much time on our hands. We've got too much stuff on our hands, too many things to do, and we have hurry sickness. And I would say in general that most of us would say, I don't have enough room for my life. And that's why we're calling this series Making Room for Life. Because Jesus said, I have come that you would have life and have it to the full. But the truth of the matter is, it's not going to happen unless we make some room for it to happen. Jesus said, didn't say, I have come to bring you a life and make it really busy life so that you can't have a life. He said, I've come to give you life and give you life to the full. And I want it to be blessed. And the statistics tell us that people sleep two and a half hours less a night now than they did a hundred years ago. That the average work week is longer than it's ever been, even though we keep thinking we're going to have more technology to help us go faster. It doesn't help. There's more stuff to do. I read this week that the average worker has 36 hours worth of work already piled up on their desk when they hit the office Monday morning. Already a whole week's worth of stuff to do. I've got too much to do on my hands. Job in the Old Testament said, I have no peace I have no quiet, I have no rest, and trouble just keeps on coming. Does that sound familiar? The weird thing is that being busy has become a badge of honor in the 21st century, hasn't it? How are you doing? Oh, I'm really busy. Yeah, me too, I'm busy. What does that mean? Does that mean you're important? Because, because what, it, what it feels like you're saying is, oh, I'm really important. I've got all these important things to do. But the toilet attendant at Lambeau Field could be busy, ladies and gentlemen. It just depends on how you manage things, right? Anybody can be busy. If you hear me say I'm busy, what that should translate is I'm an idiot because I'm in charge of my life. All right? I am. Nobody else is. I'm in charge of my life. So if I'm too busy, it's because I'm not doing things right. And I understand that some of life is thrust upon us. I understand. I have a unique situation this year. I'm the president of this convention that's happening in July. I'm writing curriculum, I'm writing a book for it. I got all these extra speaking gigs going on. I actually only have, I figured it up, I got two free weekends between now and the 4th of July that I'm not preaching somewhere. It doesn't mean I'm preaching here, but I'm preaching somewhere. And, and, and that's way too many because I'm working all week too. Well, who did that? I did. I said yes. Ultimately, it's my deal. You got five kids and one on the way. You know what? You said yes. <laughs> or you dropped something on the floor at the Christmas Eve service one way or the other, okay? Either way, it, it's your deal, Okay. And the only way to fix your deal is for you to fix your deal. Because I can't fix your deal for you, okay? So, so the solution to hurry sickness is margin. 
Margin is the space around the page. Margin is the part that's not already written into. Or if I could put it this way, margin is what's available beyond what is already taken. What's available beyond what's already taken? You need margin in your life. If you have 30 minutes till your meeting starts and it takes 20 minutes to get there, you have 10 minutes of margin. You following me? If you have $100 and you have $80 worth of bills and you have $20 in margin. And what I'm saying is that if we're going to survive, we need to have margin. We need to have more space in our lives and we're going to have to make room for life. We're going to have to make it happen. When you look, here's a, here's a clear case in point. When you look something up on the internet, what do you call it? I'm going to Google it, right? I'm going to Google it. 80% of the market is Google. Why is that? It used to be AltaVista, Yahoo. I could search with all kinds of different search engines, but Google vastly took the market over. Why? Because here is Google's main page. What do you see there? A lot of margin. And when I want to search the Internet, I go to Google because all i got to do is type in what I want right there. And there's not Saved by the Bell reruns in the corner and sports scores down here and news stories over there. It's all margin. And that's why they have 80% of the market now because we're all looking to make things simpler. Okay? And that's what I'm trying to do in your life is to make things simpler. One of Dave Ramsey's favorite verses of, about finances is this one. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. In other words, if you can see what's happening and you do something about it, it'll fix your life. If you don't, you're going to keep going, and financially you're going to be more in debt. In your, in your life you're going to be more busy, and things are not going to change for you. Let me tell you why it would be good for you to have margin. If we have margin, you're going to have more peace, and we're going to spend four weeks on this, okay? If we have margin, we're going to have more peace of mind. We're going to be able to relax. I've got a little margin. If something happens, I'm going to be okay. I can stop and smell the roses. Number two, I'm going to have better health. Uh, I mean, doctors are telling us that, that, that our health is deteriorating, and part of it is because of what we eat, and part of it is because of how we act, but part of it is just about the stress in our lives. We need to rest more. We need more downtime. If a car is going around the track, a race car is going around the track at 200 miles an hour, every once in a while, it has to, it's a machine, and it still has to take a pit stop, doesn't it? Otherwise, it's going to blow a tire, it's going to blow an engine, it's going to run out of gas. And so are you. Number three, stronger relationships. What's the problem with families today? Well, families are too busy. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going on in the 21st century. But for one thing, we just don't have time to hang out with each other. We don't have time to have dinner together, for crying out loud, because we're too busy. And the fourth one is, um, we're going to be available for God to use. I mean, as a believer, we know that we need to partner up with God, and it's really important to do that. And, and like giving, when, when we tithe, we're inviting God into the process. When we give, when we serve, Jesus, I'm going to talk about what Jesus said about even doing that as a part of your Sabbath. It's, it's uniting ourselves with God and bringing Him into our schedule. And every once in a while, God's going to tap you on the shoulder and go, hey, I, I'd like for you to go on a mission trip, or I'd like for you to just try it and go serve in kids' ministry. And you're going to say, what? Oh, I'd love to, God, but... I'm too busy. I can't partner with you right now because I can't, I can't do it. I need you to understand some things about why we need to do what we need to do. The first part is this. We have limits. Human beings have limits. You are not God. You have personal limitations. 
Back in his prime, Muhammad Ali was the greatest boxer who ever lived, and, and he thought so. He always called himself the greatest. And uh, one, one time he got on an airplane, and he didn't want to buckle his seatbelt. And the airline attendant said, uh, sir, you need to buckle your seatbelt. And he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she was real quick. She said, well, Superman don't need no airplane either, so buckle up. <laughs> yeah. Listen to me. You're not Superman. All right? you, you, you're, even if you're a, a, an indie race car, you've got to stop. You're going to have limits. The psalmist said, I've learned that everything has limits. We have limits as human beings. That's the way that it is. And, and we live in a culture that says, oh, you can do it all. You can be all that you want to be. Can I just tell you something? Just me to you. That's a bunch of baloney. You cannot be whatever you want to be. You can only be what God designed you to be. That's all. You can go to all the self-help things you want and all the other things that you want, but you can only be what God designed you to be. You can't decide to be something else. No matter how much I want to, I will never sing like Andrea Bocelli. You're never going to hear that coming out of here. Or Tommy Shaw either, for that matter, what I just did, right? No matter how much I practice, no matter how much money I spend on lessons, I'm never going to swing a golf club like well, correctly, at all. I mean, I have a terrible golf swing. It's never going to happen. I can be all I want to be, but it's never going to happen. I have physical limits. I have emotional limits. There's only so much I can take, so many people's problems I can take on. I have, I have mental limits. You know, we're in the information age. I've got stuff coming at me all the time. I've got to stop. I've got to get away from it because there's a limit to what can go in, on in here. Doesn't matter how much Adderall I take, there's a limit to how much can go in here, okay? And you have time limits. You can go to self-help, you can go to time management seminars all you want to, and that's great. I, I, they're helpful to me, but you're never going to get more than 24 hours out of a day. And here's the, the, the problem is that sometimes I think for Christians it's worse because we think, oh, we can just do more because there's that verse, Tim, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Right? And when people tell me, you know, well, I've crammed this into my life, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I want to say, well, really? Can you fly? I believe I can fly. Really? Because you should get off the LSD. You can't fly through Christ who strengthens you. Okay? Don't take that verse out of context. I'm going to talk about Jesus and how he lived in just a second. But that verse is not saying that you should push it beyond your human limits. The verse is saying that God is going to help you through the stuff that you've got to go through. But if you mess up your own life, there's only so much God's going to help us get through. And at some point, he's going to say, hey, you got yourself in here. You've got to fix this. I know because I've done it. I've lived it. I've gone through burnout. And God finally said, you're an idiot. And, and I crash and I burn, okay? The, the first thing is we do have limits. The second thing is <laughs> you're going to have problems. I feel like I say this on a regular basis, but it's really important that you understand this. Stuff happens, okay? Comedian Dennis Miller said it best. He said, the, the problem with, with life is red lights, isn't it? I mean, w when you're driving, red lights... It seems like Murphy's Law is the, the faster I need to get somewhere, am I right, the more red lights there are. That's what happens to me. And you spend all of your life stopping at red lights. You want to get somewhere, and you're stopping at red lights. And, and Dennis Miller said, the irony of it is, when you die, they let you run all the red lights. Right? 
Your funeral procession goes... The, the first time you're not in a hurry to get anywhere, you get to run all the red lights. Okay? Listen, I've got to tell you something. Red lights happen, okay? There are going to be red lights. Let me, let me, tell, let me tell you something. This service starts at 11 o'clock. Do you know that? It starts at 11 o'clock. I know you're, you're like, every week you're like, oh, it's not, kids' check-in's not going to be busy today. Oh, there won't be any traffic. Oh, the parking lot ferry's going to have a space open right there for me when I get there. No, no, no. I'm the same way. I'm, I'm like, cut it to the close. I'm going to get there at the very last minute. I'm going to be late a lot. I went to the Dominican Republic two weeks ago to check out this mission thing that we're going to do down there. I left on uh, on a Sunday, and I didn't, it was, it was Pastor Sean, our, our missions guy, and his wife, and me and my wife, and some other people that went down to check this thing out, and, and, and I didn't make the plane reservations, and my assistant didn't make the plane reservations, the mission people did, and they did something dumb that I should have caught, because there was only an hour and a half window in Miami before the next flight took off. Now, I've got to ask you something. What are the odds of flying out of Chicago in January on time. Not very big, are they? Right? So I know I've only got an hour and a half to make it through the metropolis of Miami Airport anyway, and I know if there's any kind of delay, I'm not going to make it. Well, if you remember two weeks ago, Sunday, we canceled Sunday night church. It was a blizzard, right? So we find, you know, we're sitting at the airport. Oh, we're delayed, we're delayed, we're delayed. We're finally two hours delayed taking off. So what does that mean? Well, that means I'm definitely not making it to the Dominican Republic that night. No big deal. I'm stuck in Miami. Worst places to be, right? Except we land, and when we land, we walk off. Our little group walks off, and I get a phone call from American Airlines. And they said, sir, are you off the plane? I said, yeah. And they said, well, your next flight has been delayed. If you'll hurry, you can probably get on your flight to the Dominican. I'm like, wow, I've never been in Portland before. This is pretty cool. They're holding a plane for me. So, so our, our entourage runs, if you've ever been to Miami, um, we only had to go from D to E, but it's still like its own zip code in Miami. So we're literally running through the airport to get to our flight. We walk on the flight, and we're on our way to the Dominican. It worked out really, really great. Do you think our bags made it? <laughs> you think there was some little baggage elf running with my suitcase to make sure it got there? No, no. So I had no underwear for two days. I had to go to the Dominican Republic Kmart and buy underwear. And I'm just going to tell you right now, their sizes aren't the same as ours, okay? <laughs> just, just from me to you, okay? What happened? What happened was I didn't have enough margin in Miami. That's what happened. And I should expect, if I'm flying out of Chicago in January, that I need more margin if I've got to get a connecting flight because it's likely to be snowing around here, okay? Jesus even said it. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say you might have trouble. He, said you, he didn't say you could have trouble. He said, you will have trouble, I guarantee you. So what am I saying? I'm saying you need to have time for trouble, a prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Oh, an hour and a half is plenty of time in Miami. Yeah, well, you're not going to get your underwear, okay? <laughs> so number three is we have to make our own margin. You have to make your own margin. Here's the rest of that, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me deal. Listen to this. This is fascinating. The apostles gathered around Jesus, and they reported to him all the things they had done and taught, 
And then, because so many people were coming and going, <clears throat> and they didn't even have a chance to eat, busy, busy ministry stuff, Jesus said to them, what? Well, there's a lot of people here. You better go take care of them. No, he didn't. He said, margin alert, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. The demands were still there. Listen to me. There were some people that probably weren't happy, but they went and took a break. They rested, and Jesus rested. I mean, sometimes Jesus stopped and did ministry when people came up to him, and sometimes Jesus said, you know what, I can't deal with this right now. I need to go spend some time with Dad. I need to go out into the garden. I need to go, out. I need to go off by myself to a solitary place and, and, and get some rest. I need some margin. And if Jesus did that as the Son of God in human form, then I probably need to do that too. Jesus never said, oh, it's okay, I can do all things through me who gives me strength. So if the Son of God had limitations on the earth, then we have limitations on the earth. Now here's a scripture that Jesus gave us to help us understand this whole thing. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There's your margin scripture. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For, learn from me. Learn from Jesus. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Doesn't that sound great? Who doesn't want rest for their soul? And this, listen to the rest of it. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what I found? I found that the yoke of Jesus is easy. It's me that messes it up. Maybe you too. Busy mode doesn't happen because of Jesus. Busy mode happens because of me. The other thing I found is that, and I've been in a lot of hospital rooms where people, if you, if you don't get some margin, just like that race car analogy, if you don't get some margin, it will be forced upon you at some point. I've been in a, hospital, a lot of hospital rooms where you know, people had a heart attack or, or people had health issues, and, and the bottom line was they were just pushing it too hard. They didn't take enough pit stops. I've been in counseling situations with people whose spouses said, you know what, you're going to have all the margin you want because I'm out of here. I can't deal with this anymore. You don't want margin to be thrust upon you. You need to take control of it. So how are we going to do it? All right, practical advice all four weeks in this thing. Again, we're going to text it to you, um, but we're going to be doing this. Next week's spiritual. The next week is physical. We're going to talk about all these things. Number one, put some space in your schedule. Again, this is making room for not life, not hoping for room for life, not praying for room for life. This is making room for life. You're going to have to decide how to do it. And the fact of the matter is, the faster you go in life, the more margin you're going to need. This is something that I've been learning. I mean, I've, I've always understood this principle, and I'm not very good at it. Please understand I'm preaching to me during this series more than anything else. Some of my preacher friends laughed when they saw that I was doing this series on margin because it's a busy time in my life. Uh, I've had to learn this the hard way. And here's one of the things I've really learned. The faster you go in life, the more margin you need. What do I mean? Well, let me take you back to driver's ed. If you remember in driver's ed, they told you that if you're going 30 miles an hour, you need, I don't remember how much it was, you need this much space between you and the car in front of you to slow down and to stop. Do you remember this? But if you're going 70 miles an hour, you need more space in between you and the car in front of you. And this is something that I've been learning. We've added another service this last year. I'm doing five a weekend. We, we, got, we planned ten for Easter. We've never done ten Easter services. We're going to have Thursday, two Friday, three Saturday, four Sunday. 
Guess what? I ain't preaching the week after Easter. I'm putting a big piece of margin in between me and you. Somebody good's going to do it. It's going to be awesome, but I'm not going to... You're never going to see me the week after Christmas or the week after Easter. It's just not going to happen because I need to schedule in that margin to have it happen. And people, I just got to tell you, this is not like... This is not time management seminar. This is a command from God. Let me just remind you of this. I'm not, I'm not going to speak a ton about it because we'll talk more about it along the way. But there were ten commandments God gave us in the Old Testament. And one of them was you have six days in which to do your work, on, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. That was a command. You understand that? I mean, most of us would say, well, I've never murdered anybody. I'm not going to commit adultery. But we violate this principle every week. And, and, and I don't mean legalistically. I know some of you grew up with a legalistic view of the Sabbath. Let me just explain this briefly, and we'll unpack it more along the way. Some of you grew up with, in a background where you couldn't go out to dinner, you couldn't go swimming, you, know, you, couldn't, you, know, you couldn't work, you couldn't do anything on, on Sunday. Okay? A, couple, a couple of problems. Sabbath was Saturday. And, um, and, and, and in the early church, they worshipped on Sunday, but most scholars believe they worshipped on Sunday night because people had to work. They were Jews. They got Saturday off, but they had to work on Sunday, but they wanted to worship on Sunday. So they probably, a lot of them worked, and they probably had church on Sunday night. You want to know the most spiritual time you could come to church at Parkview would be on Sunday night's 545 service, <laughs> if you ask me, Okay. Uh, that, that's probably what they did. So, so the legalism thing is not what it's supposed to be about. And, and I just got to understand, you got to understand, my Sabbath is Friday, okay? And because I work the weekends, I, I take Friday off, and I'm, I'm really, no pun intended, religious about my Sabbath. Okay? The problem for me is um, I don't sit around and just read my Bible all day on, on, on Friday. You got to understand that. I was reading my Bible this Friday, and I came across a scripture where Jesus was talking about the Sabbath, and the religious leaders were bugging Jesus because he picked grain on the Sabbath, and that was against the rules. And Jesus kind of went off on them and said, yeah, no, you got the Sabbath thing all wrong. The Sabbath was made for the man. You've got to understand that, Jesus said, and I'm Lord of the Sabbath. And it's not about ritual. It's not about sacrifice he said it's about mercy it's about relationship it's really important that you understand this and then he went on and he said it this way he said if you have a sheep and it falls into the pit on sabbath will you not take hold of it and lift it out how much more valuable is a person than a sheep therefore it is lawful to do good on the sabbath what jesus was saying was i came to bring a new covenant all right you don't sacrifice animals for church anymore either it's not about the idea of taking a day and not walking a certain amount of more than a certain amount not working and not caring and not, all those things that's not what it's about it's about the idea that you take time out of your schedule to not work and you take time out of your schedule to be with god so on my sabbath um I'm, a, I, I, I'm ADHD, I'm type A, I am not going to sit around and not do anything on Friday because that would be worse than if I just went ahead and worked. So my advice, I've brought in people, I've had a lot of people help me with this. On Friday, I do spend more time with God, yes. And I take my wife out to dinner, and if it's warm, I'll go golfing on my Sabbath. Yeah. You know why? Because that breathes life into my soul. And in the winter, I, you know, when I can't golf, 
on the, you know what I did this Friday? I gutted my bathroom. I gutted my, I pulled the cabinets out. I, we had wallpaper. Who still has wallpaper? We have wallpaper in this bathroom. 18 years since we've decorated this bathroom. I peeled wallpaper off. I know this is weird to you, but for me, that gives me life. That breathes life into me because my normal day job is nothing with my hands. It's all about this. And I don't get to see the fruit of my labor. So I love doing something. I love having projects around the house. I'm just weird that way. You could be whoever you want. Maybe you want to sit and watch Downton Abbey all day. I don't know. Or read books or, or Saved by the Bell or whatever it is. I, I don't know what it is. What it is is that you spend time in worship to God and you spend time resting. But resting doesn't mean you're going to take a nap all day. Resting is what breathes life life into you that's what's really important right so that's it number one put space in your schedule to rest number two prune our activities periodically you understand pruning if your plants are going to work like your rose bush i got a big climbing rose bush in the back of my house if i don't prune it a it's going to take over my house and b it's not going to have very good flowers so i prune it well do i prune just the dead stuff no i prune some of the live stuff too and what I'm telling you is that you're going to have to prune your schedule because if your life is anything like mine, there's a lot of new things that come at you all the time. There are a lot of new opportunities to do things. And if you just keep saying yes to all the new things without cutting back on the old things, it's never going to work. You're going to be too busy and you're going to be like Job, no peace, no quiet, no rest. Paul said, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. You can say yes to whatever you want to, but not everything is beneficial. You're going to have to learn to say no. Rick Warren says that two-letter word no is a holy word. There's only a certain amount of things that you're going to be able to do, so you're going to have to learn to say no. In life, you're going to have to learn to say no probably more than you say yes. So you might as well get used to it. And people aren't going to be happy about it, but it's up to you. It's your problem. Here's, um, I brought in a life planner um, back in August to help me figure out how to do my life. And I'm not, I'm not going to you know, go through these for you. I just wanted you to see my list. We went through and we said, okay, what are the must-dos, the could-dos, the should-dos, and the must-not-dos? And I'm going to tell you something. The most important list up here is the must-nots. What is it that God has gifted me to do? What is it that, that, that is the most important thing for me to do? What are some things I could do, some things I should do, and what are some things I must not do? I must not disconnect from the vine. I've got to stay connected to Jesus. I must not do pastoral care and counseling. I'm terrible at it. It sucks the energy out of me, and it means I'm not going to have time to do the preaching and the leading and the influencing and the connecting. So I've got a lot of people on staff. We've got a lot of people we'll, we'll get to you, but, but I'm not going to be able to help you out with your problem, and I don't like that, okay? I can't be involved in the day-to-day -day stuff going. People ask me about stuff all the time. I have no idea what's going on around here. I really don't. I mean, there's, all, there's too many things for me to know, and I'm not going to be involved. Those are on my must-do list, right? Another one is to build my role apart from my wife's role. We've got to be partners in this ministry thing together. And to see those things, those are the must-not-dos. Those are some things that you've got to have in your life, and you've got to figure out what the must-not-do list is. I, I can't do your wedding. I'm sorry I can't do your wedding, but I work on Saturday. I work on all day Sunday, and Friday's my day off. So unless you want to get married on Tuesday afternoon at 4 o'clock, I can't do your wedding. I like doing weddings. I told you I got a great Marion suit. I told you that last week. I like wearing my Marion. I like being involved in people's happiest day. I miss that about the smaller church. I can't do it. 
The Indians say you're going to break the bow if you keep it always bent, and, and I've got to know that. So that's just a part of my list. I don't know what yours is going to be, but you've got to figure it out. And here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. The one thing that I want you to do this week is to say no to something. Uh, a regular activity or something new coming in, I want you to say no to it. All right, That is your deal for this week. You just say no. You say, okay, well, our kids are not going to go to this thing, or we're not going to get involved in this thing. Or maybe you're in a point right now where you can say, hey, you know what, we were thinking about signing. A lot of it is our kids, isn't it? I mean, I've got to tell you, the empty nest is better for that. It's a lot easier to manage your life when you get those suckers out of your house. I'm telling you right now. Okay? Sorry, kids, but it's just true. We love you. But man, but you know, the big problem is you said yes to those kids doing it. So the kids are in traveling this and traveling that. And all of a sudden you don't have any time. I'm telling you right now, maybe you ought to go home and just cut something. Just cut something. Make life simpler. Here's my Stephen Covey illustration. You may have seen it before. Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He said, uh, he saw a college professor do this one time. It's about the rocks. He said, the college professor said, this is your life, okay? This is your life, and uh, l- let me just ask you something right now. Is this, is this life full already? And uh, people said, well, yeah, that, that, life, that life looks pretty full. And he said, no, this life isn't full yet. He said, what about now? Does it look full now? And they caught on by that time. They were like, oh, no, it's not full now. And he said, oh, you're right. This is my little addition to uh, part view. This is bacon bits. He put bacon bits in there, okay? All right. That's a waste of bacon. I'm sorry, but it's a good illustration, okay? Is it full now? And they said, no, it's not full now. He said, yeah, you're right. So he started dumping sand in, you know? And the sand went in, and it starts to fall down around all the rocks and all around the cracks. He's, okay, so is it full now? And they're like, no, because they could see the water. And he took the water. He said, okay, well, let's try this. And so he started pouring water in and filled it all the way up. And they said, then he said to them, well, is this full now? And they said, yeah, it probably is. And he said, okay, so... What do you think my illustration is about your life? And somebody said, you can always fit more in. (laughs) And the professor said, no, my illustration for your life is you better get the big rocks in first. You better make your own priorities. If this is your life and it's going to fill up and I guarantee you it's going to, you better get the big rocks in there first. What are the big rocks for you? Well, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You ought to get that big rock in there first. Your family ought to be a big rock. I don't know what the rest of your big rocks are. You're going to have to figure that out for yourself. But you've got to put the big rocks in first or something else is going to take all the time. As we do communion, let let me give you one more, okay? Trust God more. We're going to trust God more. This is probably just my problem, but I'm going to give it to you in case it's your problem too. A big problem with my schedule and my life is that I feel like God needs me. (laughs) You ever feel like that? You know, like if my family's going to have this or if this is going to happen, God needs me. So I need to go. I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's busy. And, and I'm going to tell you, this is probably, maybe it's the simplest, but it's probably the most important thing you can do is to trust God more to take care of things in your life. Let me take you back to the scripture. Jesus said, 
take my yoke upon you, right? Take my yoke upon you. Now, if you understand yoke, if you're a, a city folk, maybe you don't understand this, but a yoke was when you would put two animals together or four animals together, you would, you would put this yoke on one neck and it would fit on the neck of another animal. And that might sound to you like, well, that doesn't sound very good. I don't want to put something else on my life right now. But hold on. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. And he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what does he mean? What he means is, I mean, you, you yoke two animals together, they're going to get to pull the load together. And what Jesus is saying is, I want to put my yoke on you. I want, I want to put my yoke on you, but I've not got a load because I'm Jesus, right? I don't have a load. So take my yoke and put it on you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Take my yoke and put it on you. Hook up with me, and then we'll go conquer life together. What this verse is, this verse is the, is the guy with a strong back and an empty truck coming to help you on moving day. This verse is, is, is the person who got done with their work at, at, at your office who comes over to you and says, hey, can I help you with your project? That's what Jesus is saying. My, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I don't have any load because I'm God. So I'll help you with your problem. And I think that's the real problem that we have, is that at least it's the one that I have, is that I think I gotta, I'm yoked up with Jesus, but I've got to pull my share of the load. Things aren't going to get done. And the truth is, that's what messes up my schedule more than anything else. So as we prepare our hearts for communion right now, I call this our pit stop. Communion is our pit stop, okay, for all of us. It's where we get to stop and reset and recharge and gas up and get back out there and get ready to go. I just wanted to spend some time in worship. We're, doing this, we're going to do this new song we're teaching you, that when oceans rise. Sometimes, you know, the waves are getting more. We've got to concentrate on God and who He is. And as you just listen to this song, as you sing this song, the imagery of this song, I want it to be there for you to help you to relax, help you to rest. Take my yoke. He said, let me read the whole verse. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's what I'm talking about. When we do communion right now for this pit stop, it's not just about our problems. It's also about our sins. I find that when we get to communion, you know, a lot of times I've, I feel like in, in life I've got like to do my part and then God does his part. That's my problem with my schedule. I've got to do my part and then you know, yeah, God can add on to it. It'll be great. Sometimes I do that with sin. You know? I, mean, like I, gotta, I, I need to work to be this good and then you know, God can cover all the rest of it. The only way you're going to really be able to come to him when you're weary and burdened and find rest is if you realize that he's got everything. He's in control of the universe. He's in control of the ocean. And he already paid for all your sins. So as you come to communion right now, just let go of all of it. All of the performance anxiety, all of the, all of the stuff that you feel, all the, all the things that you think you're supposed to be bringing to God right now. Lay it all down and let him fill you back up. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you'll be with us as we just lay it all down to you right now. Jesus, I know that you died for all of my sins, not 
just the ones that I couldn't quite handle on my own. I know that you died for sins I haven't even thought of committing yet. And, and, and again, I don't get this grace so that I can go back out and, and live a worse life next week. I get a mulligan to hit a better shot. Yeah, I get all that. But right now, I just need to lay it all down at your feet. I'm not good. I'm not holy. I'm not perfect. I'm not Superman. And I need you to run the universe. All of us come right now with that conviction, with that confession. And we'll let you take care of it all. Yeah, we run our own lives. We run our own schedules. We're going to have to make some decisions. Help us as we do that. But for just a moment, give us a pit stop. Help us to be that little child with our hand up in the air holding your great big hand knowing that you got it all under control. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.